the splendor of a king clothed in majesty let all the earth rejoice all the earth rejoice he wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice it trembles at his voice how great is our god sing with me how great is our god and all will see how great how great is our god and age to age he stands and time is in his hands beginning and the end beginning and the end the godhead three in one father spirit son the lion and the lamb the lion and the lamb how great is our god sing with me how great is our god and all will see how great how great is our god how name above all names worthy of all praise my heart will sing how great is our god how great is our god sing with me how great is our god and all will see how great how great is our god in 2008 this guy here you may remember is david gregory he was a longtime washington reporter who became the moderator of meet the press for a time and he wrote a book back in 2015 in which he recounts an interview that he did with President George W. Bush during Bush's last days in office. Gregory says that at times he had been one of the president's greatest critics during his eight years in office, but that the president had always been kind and been fair to him. Gregory says that off camera that day before the interview, just during some quiet conversation with the president, out of the blue, the president asked Gregory, how's your faith? Gregory said that the question was alarming. He said it was refreshing. And he said that he's thankful that he asked. He says that question became part of the impetus for a faith journey that has made a positive difference in his life. And it helped him it helped lead him to write the book entitled, How's Your Faith, back in 2015. Now I'll tell you, I have to admit, I didn't read the book at the time and I only listened to it on Audible recently. And I will say that most of the theology of the book 
is seriously flawed. But I remember when the book came out and I heard that George Bush story. I thought that was powerful. I even wrote it down in the notes app on my phone, thinking that if I ever had the opportunity to preach again, I thought it would be a great topic. And if you're wondering, the last time I preached in this pulpit on a Sunday morning was 16 years ago. Apparently it wasn't very good. But I'm back. And I want to invite you to hear me again when I turn 70. To think, though, that the leader of the free world would take a moment and inquire with a frequent critic how their spiritual life was going is very inspiring. It makes me think of another inspiring story straight from, straight from Scripture that kind of has that how's your faith mentality to it. Acts 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south on the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in the charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. He said, Do you understand what you're saying? Philip asked him. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. That's an exciting story. We as elders continue to appreciate our church's mission statement to be completely committed followers of Jesus, discipling, equipping, serving, and loving. And I want to talk about this morning, how's your faith, in two ways. The first way is, though, how is that question, how can that question help us lead others to Jesus, that discipling? Simply put, and you know this, it is considered not cool in most of society to talk about Jesus outside of church. Historically, it hasn't been so much that way. Who knows what this is? Kirby? What is it? For what? Right? Well, true. Other things as well. Uh, 
the Jewel Miller film strip series. This is one of the projectors. We have three that the, the church owns. At the time, in Mike, 60s, 70s, Mike knows. At the time, it was a cutting piece of technology, cutting edge piece of technology designed to teach the gospel to somebody right in their home using a projector to bounce the biblical story right off of their living room wall. I did not know this for several years, but some of you know that Robin Miller, a member here that passed away last October, was the son of Jewel Miller. I didn't know that for years. What a evangelistic legacy. And Robin himself had a great evangelistic legacy of his own. The Jewel Miller film strips, and I can remember them, they represent a time in churches of Christ where personal evangelism had a sense of urgency to it. You may not knock on somebody's door today with a projector and a box of film strips in your arms, but we do need to raise the bar on our discipling. We have a lot of hate. We have a lot of confusion and a lot of desperation in our country. And contrary to all of what we hear from everybody and their dog, the only foundational answer is Jesus Christ. Amen? Generally, when we are talking to someone, the last things that we want them to remember from the conversation, the most important things we want them to remember, we tell them at the end. And that's the way it was with Jesus before he ascended. These passages here, Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Acts 1. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will, be, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, the very last thing, and a cloud hid him from their sight. The tremendous confidence and peace that you and I enjoy in Christ is worth sharing. Right now, more than ever. Jesus' encounter with a Samaritan woman at the well in the book of John is a beautiful and timely model for meeting people where they are for who they are, regardless of the color of their skin or the condition of their lives. His compassion and his miraculous ways combined to reach deep into this woman's conscience and her soul. Her life was a hot mess with a disastrous family story. Yet Jesus went beyond his own physical thirst, took a personal interest in her, shared the living water with her, and that encounter yielded a whole community of believers in two days. Can we impact our community in that way? We can and we should. 
There are those in this room that are very conversational about faith. The spirit in you, it just bubbles out like those bad tasting fizzy drinks that we can't get enough of right now. The rest of us, we have the spirit, but we're not quite as carbonated at times. So here's my first two asks of you this morning. I ask that you think of and start asking a few people you know the question, how's your faith? When I've asked it of someone, I've learned that it does make a difference. Just like David Gregory said when the president asked him, he said it was alarming. Why? Sadly, this kind of conversation doesn't happen enough. He said it was refreshing. After the initial awkwardness of the question, it is a very human reaction to feel good that somebody cares about you enough to go there. And last he said he was thankful that the president asked. Again, the paths of least resistance, not asking, that path of least resistance, those types of paths of least resistance rarely yield lasting relationships. But this kind of spiritual sincerity changes people. Now, regardless of how someone may initially answer the question, how's your faith, what it will do is it will give you the opportunity to learn about their faith walk and share a little about yours. Because I believe your walk is important to you. And it may lead to much more. Rubel Shelley, who is no stranger among churches of Christ, is now a guest columnist, at least weekly now, in our local newspaper. He had a front page essay two Sundays ago. It was entitled, COVID-19 May Be Making Our Churches Better. In the article, he quotes a preacher friend of his who said this, The first reformation gave the word of God back to the people. This one, COVID, is giving ministry back to them. Let me repeat that. The first reformation gave the word of God back to the people. This one is giving ministry back to them. Do you see his point? Do you feel that it's true? And has it already affected you by somebody else ministering to you during these last few months? Or have you ramped up your ministry to others in this pandemic? There was another quote that Shelley had in that article. It said this, if there is a second reformation in process now, perhaps it is one that will place Christian mission into the hands of the church members rather than confining it to just a few paid professionals. And I don't know of a better passage of scripture uh, than Romans 12, 6 through 13 to move us to a higher level of service no matter where you are right now. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. 
Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So I want to pause here for a minute. And I ask you to think of a couple of people in your life that in your own way, you could ask the question, how's your faith? The other way that I want to look at how's your faith is by asking you, how's your faith? How's your faith? This has been a very difficult year. And we as your elders have prayed a lot for you. And perhaps in our weakness, we've worried about you. We haven't been with you. We still haven't been with a number of families. This COVID-19 pandemic has been a surreal and unsettling experience. You couple with that the recent racial crisis and the demand that it has made of us, many of us, to rethink and to react. All that put together, it's been a deeply spiritually challenging year. So if your answer to the question this morning is, when I say, how's your faith? If it's not very good, then we need to be reaching out to each other right now. Let me pivot to something positive. In a COVID world, we as elders have also witnessed examples of personal and family spiritual growth and action. In some aspects of individual and during this family isolation, we've witnessed deeper Bible study, family and small group worship and devotionals, a neighborhood VBS, and neighbors and church members actively taking care of each other. We've participated in classes that have included family and friends from even other states, and we have had some West 7 small groups at time continue to meet online. Adrian and I, we wouldn't take a million dollars for the time that we've spent with our young professionals in college age class, first online, and now at Woodland Park on Sunday nights. They are inspiring in their desire to be together and to make a spiritual difference in the lives of others. In short, it seems that we have experienced some of the elements of the beautiful and simple New Testament Christianity that we read about in the first century church. So, as we migrate back to this so-called normal, we as shepherds are praying for the right kind of normal. And that is simply our ability to be together on this church campus, uninhibited by physical distancing, worshiping together, studying together, and using our facilities for good things that bring glory to God. So, to make a list that is simply not exhaustive, but we as elders are often praying for a few things I want to share, and this is in your outline. Your elders are praying for passionate ministries and passionate ministers. We want you to know, because we haven't been as much together, but a lot of you have witnessed it, we are blessed by our ministry staff here at West 7th. They have really shown up in this COVID situation. 
They've been resilient. They've been creative. And they've been determined as best they can through all of the frustrating moments. They've been determined to keep us spiritually engaged during these frustrating circumstances. And we are very, very grateful to them. And we hope that you are too. And that you support them. And we also have members, lots of you, that have been very resilient as well in your ministries to others. We're praying for meaningful worship. We've missed worshiping with you. The singing, the communion together, and seeing each other actually worship is very beneficial. While online services have been a blessing as our only option for a time, there is no substitute for being together worshiping. We as elders are also praying that we have close relationships with Jesus, us and you. You know, a common misperception is that an elder's job is to require you to come to church and to Sunday school and to do a service thing or two. No. Our role is to do the best we can with God's help to shepherd, to encourage, and to support you to a deep relationship with Jesus. From that then comes a desire to worship God, to be with fellow Christians and study, and to disciple, equip, serve, and love others. And what that is, is this relationship makes us doers, not consumers. And it builds unity and destroys apathy. And we then extend the influence of our West Seventh Church. And last, among others, we're praying for close relationships with each other. All of us. Now, Randy actually mentioned this last week, but I already had it in my notes, I promise. And I want you to hear it from us as elders. Ten years ago, before my time as an elder, the West Seventh Shepherds did something big and bold that I believe has benefited this church. They conducted an almost two-year study and then they implemented a home Bible study program. Today we know it as small groups. And you met, uh, Randy mentioned this. The elders took some heat for it. Literally had two or three families leave our fellowship here. But what the elders knew was that with a designed curriculum and trained facilitators, the ministry would strengthen our church family as a whole. Today, small groups are a foundational ministry here. They provide the primary method for spiritual encouragement and relationship building at West 7th. Whether it's in the homes or whether it meets here on a, on a Sunday night. For the most part, small groups went to the sideline during this COVID thing. And uh, I know it's frustrating right now um, at the moment. But Lord willing, signups will happen again in August. And it is your elders' prayer that every person be a part of it. In my mind, I'm confident that Satan is sitting around making his list of ways to discourage us. And at the top of that list, in my opinion, would be to keep us from being part of a small group. They are that impactful. And they can help us answer the question, how's your faith, in a very positive way. So, how's your faith? I hope you're in a good place. 
But we know that for some of you, either here or watching online, your spiritual life is struggling and in need of help. And that is what we're here for. You've heard a thousand times on TV, online, and in the media, we are in this together. You've heard it till you're numb. But let it be said from this pulpit and to this church family that we are in this together. In a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song. And if you feel the need for public prayer, there's a role for that. If you feel the need for public prayers of this church, Jerry's going to be up front to receive you, to pray over you, and this church will embrace you. If you need private prayer, that room, that's what that's for, and will be available. And if you know you're lost, having never confessed Jesus and been baptized, today can be that day as well. Let's stand and sing.